Hey, good morning, everybody. My name's Justin, and welcome to Crossroads. Please join me in prayer. All right, Father, just thank you so much for every person uh, here today, Lord. Uh, whether they're here with us in person or joining us virtually, Lord, we're just so grateful for that. We're thankful for this church, Lord, and all of the opportunities that we have to come together in your name, Lord. We also just thank you for today's message. Um, we know that it's your word. We know that uh, your hand is on Nick as he delivers it, and we're just grateful for that also. You know every single person. You know every, uh, every person here. You know their habits, their hurts, their hang-ups, uh, their strengths, their gifts, Lord. All of that is yours, and uh, we just thank you. We lift everything up to you in prayer. It's in your son's holy and precious name. Amen. Good to see everybody. Man, this is um, definitely one of my favorite things ever. It, what a treat and a joy to be here. Because God, God is, is so awesome, um, so amazing. Um, but what about that Satan guy? What, you know, somebody asked a question uh, a week ago about like, okay, why is Satan here? You know, God is, is full of, of so much mercy, so much joy, so much kindness, um, so much truth, and, and Satan isn't. He, he's mad. He's angry. <laughs> you know, what's his purpose? To cause destruction. Somebody's already saying it. Yeah, to cause destruction. Hey, we're warned about him. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. <laughs> And let's face it, we, we're easy targets. Last week, we, we talked a lot, Bill talked a lot about our desires and, and how they can lead us um, down to a kind of a messy road, but how the pursuit of God can kind of create a, a whole new deal inside of us. Um, and this brings out conflict between our desires and what we know to be good. And that is frustrating. That is really frustrating, and Satan just eats this up. Because we, we have easy targets. And think about it with, with your kids or your friends or, or anybody you interact with. Somebody can do something that is going to, that one certain thing will throw you over the edge. You, you say, well, that's just my, uh, my trigger. We've got a trigger. Um, Satan eats that up. So it's our, our temptations, our, our desires to, to screw up and, and not be like God. They come from within. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So these desires that, that we all have, they present a problem for us, especially when we desire to do something that, that we know we shouldn't do. You know, many of us, probably all of us, have seen some of God's awesomeness, regardless. And we know there's things that we, we would love to always do and things we would love to never do. But do you ever do those things you wish you never did? Do you ever have to say you're sorry? Um, do you ever have to say, I, or think back and wish nobody ever knew about that one or hope nobody ever finds out about that one? Yeah, yeah, I do. So there, there's conflict there. And the Christian is, confl is conflicted because we really want to follow God. We are totally captivated by God. And we want to act and look like he does because it, it's, 
Well, it's awesome. There's no other word. We use that word way too often for so many different things. But God is maybe the, the right way to use that word. He is awesome. Whoa. It's cool. And we agree that his standard and we agree with his standard and we want to, to be like that and be totally obedient to it. That, that's like a, a desire and a goal for the Christian is to know God and to be like God, not equal to, greater than, but like him. His, his really cool, awesome attributes and, and to, to love like he does. Wow, this, this guy got it right. <laughs> he said, let all that I am praise the Lord. Oh Lord, my God, how great you are. You are robed with honor and majesty. May all my thoughts be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. Let all sinners vanish from the face of the earth. Let the wicked disappear forever. Let all that I am praise the Lord. There's a lot in there, especially when you think about this for a second. We often don't think about this. The guy who wrote this, the guy who said this, is a sinner, was a sinner. And he said, let all sinners vanish from the face of the earth. He knew he was a sinner, yet he still acknowledged God's ways as being best and right and perfect. So what was that guy's hope? So the problem for the Christian, the conflict we're talking about is, is captured right there. We agree that God's way is best. And we desire to follow that. And, and, and we would be, I would be totally stoked if all anybody saw when they looked at me was, was God. Was his love, his mercy, his grace, his, his humility. I, I could use a big dose of that. His patience, his kindness. How, how great would that be? If that's all anybody saw, many of you know me well enough to be able to say, but you are a sinner. But I am a sinner. I'm part of the problem. If God let me into heaven, if he let you into heaven, I can't speak for you. I can speak for me, though. If he let me into heaven, it wouldn't be heaven. If he let me into heaven as I am right now, and you were there too, and you saw me there, it would be a bummer for you. Because now all of a sudden, thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that a lot. <laughs> if, if I was let into heaven as I am, that would be a bummer for you because I'm a sinner. I'm prideful. I have a temper. I'm selfish. I, I have battled lust, scratching and kicking and screaming to beat it. And thank God for that one that I wasn't fighting on my own or else I would have been beat. Thank you. Thank God for that one. So going back to the last thing, don't, this is the temptation, and I hear this sometimes. You know, let's not tell each other that's part of being a man. Let's not tell each other that's just who you are and part of your inner workings. Don't try to excuse our sin. Don't try to excuse our difference from the perfect standard and just throw it out behind your shoulder and say, don't worry about it. Don't tempt me or try to entice me to trade the awesomeness of God for my own made-up, selfish desires. Don't do that. Don't say that to me. Because if I trade 
God's awesomeness in any area for my own made-up standard, Satan will own me. We, the end of that video said, not today, Satan. There's the conflict. That conflict is, exists inside of me, inside of us. And, and the conflict is saying, I want God's way and not mine. Because if we follow our own made-up selfish standard, Satan will own us. And by our standards today, selfish isn't a problem, is it? No. No, we, we, you should be selfish. Get it. Get out there and get it for yourself. Don't let people treat you that way. You don't deserve that. You're a victim. Sorry, that was a rant maybe. We spend a lot of time trying to make our lives better. Jobs, cars, houses, hobbies, toys, money, diets, exercise. And we, we often do this without considering God. And when one does this, when we decide to make a change, to, to, to do something different, and to set our life out and define some principles, some boundaries, and to structure our lives by, we define a plan. We make boundaries based on our interpretation of morality and the defining principles of this world. But we often use several different religious ideas. We will come to church and say, well, I heard that Christian pastor say this. And you know, really good stuff. That was, that was awesome. I really like that. I'm going to put that into practice. And then, man, you know, the way those Mormons do this, wow, that's really cool too. I'm, yeah, I'm going to take that also. That's good. I like that. And then the way the Buddhists do it, they got it figured out. You know, big shiny robes and all kinds of cool stuff. I know they don't all wear big shiny robes, sorry. But last night I told a bald joke and I got in trouble. Um, so, it was one. Um, but the, the, we take all of those and we put it together and we say, that, that's it. We take this melting pot and that makes sense, that makes sense. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I'm really smart so I can see how these work together. All right, there's my standard. And there we go. We have our own custom-made religion based on our judgments. And our peace here, our peace now comes from our convictions, our assumptions, our assurance that we've taken our life, our situation, and we've done the best that we can with what we've got. We look back and, and see how the day went and maybe see that our moods and our situations changed and, and we abandoned that, that standard. But that's because these guys were jerks. Or that's because this happened, and I didn't really like that. So, so we quickly abandoned our standard because, because of something outward that happened. We see that our standard didn't hold up and didn't work, and we failed it. So we change it. When I was in middle school, we, our, we wanted to slam dunk. I was not very tall. What did we do? We lowered the goal. We brought the goal a little bit lower. Now I can slam dunk. You see how good I did? All right. And then all of a sudden we couldn't one day for some reason. Maybe we got shorter. Well, let's change the goal. Let's lower it. And you don't feel very good when you're around your friends and you're, they're dunking. You can't. And you're like, wow, that didn't really. I got to lower the goal, guys. You know, we, we do this. And when we do that, 
we are condemning our own standards. When we change our standard, we are condemning the standard we had before, saying, well, that one wasn't right, that one wasn't good, but I'm going to make this new one. And then we make a new one and we make a new one. When we do this, we are taking our lives, our souls into our hands. We are saying, this is what's good. This is okay. This isn't. So this is how I get there. You know, there's no peace in that. No comfort. No salvation. Look at your life. Look at my life. Look at our decisions. Look at our mistakes. Look at the things we still do. Maybe not the same way we used to, but in the heart, it's still there. Do you think it's a good idea for it to be in our hands? At the end, to say, here's what I did. By my work, by my abilities, by my best deal. No, because we fail. Failure is a huge part of life. And we all know it, for the Christian and the non-Christian. We have failed miserably in probably every area of our lives. We have failed our, our jobs. We've failed our friends. We've failed our mates. We've failed our kids. One, one interesting note here. The less we try the less we fail. The less we get out and get after it, the less we fail. We, we grew up wakeboarding, water skiing, and my friend's uncle, he always said, if you're not falling, you're not trying. I'll tell you, I tried really hard. <laughs> really hard. So the Christian, the Christian loves God with all of their heart, mind, and soul. Not perfectly, because we're sinners. But loves God with all of their heart, mind, and soul. But the Christian will fail to do what is right because we are still harboring another power inside of us. And that keeps us from following the laws of God that we agree are good and right. But we're fighting we are fighting to know God, fighting to follow God. Because as a Christian, we want to hear God, to know God, and know what he wants for us to do at work, at home, wherever we are. We want to know what he wants to do. Because we know that what I put out a moment ago in our standards, we know that won't work. We know we're screwy. We know we are different from God. We know we are a sinner. This guy knew it too. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. He's acknowledging that, that, look, I, there is this real power inside of me that is a part of me that, is, that has a hold of me, that's trying to drive me and move me. But that's not one I should listen to. There, 
You know, we know that we want to get moving, that we want to do it differently. I wrestled in high school, and we had this friend. I had a friend named Josh. He was, he was getting pinned, which means you, you hold somebody on their back for three seconds. He was getting pinned, and uh, he wasn't pinned yet. My coach says, get off your back. You know, duh, I want to get off my back. And he goes, I can't. <laughs> a little southern draw, I can't, or something like that. I'll never forget that. You know, it's not that we don't want to get off our back. I'm from Tennessee. It's okay. Um, man, I'm, I'm on a roll today, this weekend. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, I hope you guys have fun with this. I sure do. Oh, what a great deal. We can't. We want to, but we can't. And, and he goes on. Here's the heart of this, this Christian. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is a power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Does this sound to you like someone who is, doesn't care? You know what? No big deal. God had died for me. You know, I, I just go on and do whatever I want to do. Doesn't, no big deal. He died. I got that. Thank you. I'm moving on. Does that what this sounds like to you? No, thank you, Thomas. No, not at all. This sounds like someone rejecting themselves. I, what a wretch I am. What a miserable person I am. They, it's almost like they, they loathe this part of themselves. They hate this part of themselves. So where is the hope? You know, I... I where is the hope for us? Oh, thank you so much. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, so you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's laws. I do. I want to. And I, I want to. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. So, the, so does it make sense then for us to to say, well, God died for me. So it doesn't matter what I do. I can do whatever I want. Is that, do you think that is belonging to God? So one thing that that I hope is, is starting to shake out, we don't have a biblical example of someone sinning and not caring about it. We don't have a biblical example of a Christian who doesn't care that they don't stand up to the standards of God. They don't care that, we in ourselves can't do it. We just don't have that example. I can't find it. You know, that there's real hope for those 
who belong. And, and you wonder, well, how do I know if I belong? Look at, the, look at this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. We, first step was identifying it. And, and rejecting it and hating it. We saw that a minute ago. What a miserable person I am. But thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord for those who belong to him. We identify that. We see what's there. And then, and then Jesus says, follow me. Those who belong, we don't like these things that aren't like him. And God has given us a mind and an ability to move. And so we use that and we identify this isn't of you, God. And we're conflicted. Because I want to do this, but I know this isn't right. So we're, we're trying, and we are failing sometimes, but we are trying, and we're not left alone. So, so when, we're at, when we're at work, when we're at home, when y- you name it, when there's something there that you're like, oh, I keep doing that. That's just me. That's just who I am. That is not necessarily nailing it to the cross. It maybe sounds like a, that's harsh, but this is really awesome. Because if you're not doing this, it means that, that you're missing it. There's actually something there that you're not, and you're not enjoying yet. You're not taking part in yet. The, taking part in the death of Christ is hard and it's conflicted, but it is something that is um, just so amazing. But back on track. The example of the Christian here is not accepting of our sin and being okay with it and shrugging it off. The example here is our decision to totally reject the sinful nature in us to make room for God's nature. Because, once again, for us to say, a great big God already died for it, so I can do what I want and still get into heaven, right? We say, Jesus died so I could focus on myself. So I can just focus on myself and do what I want to do. Does anybody see the problem with that? Do you belong to you when you say that? Or do you belong to Jesus when you say that? And think about this one. Jesus loves, like God actually loves you. The, the great, big, huge God. One of, his, one of the things that will never disappear is his love. And he says, and, and, and he gives us his love. And so we ought to love him back. Let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So the, so the idea of, well, I can just do whatever I want, is that us loving God back? And let me say it a little differently. I acted like a huge brat for so many years. Huge. I, I did the selfish, I did the hateful, I did the hurtful. Just talk to my wife. She probably has, a, she doesn't, she forgave me. But she has a memory, I'm sure. She could tell you all about the old me. Wow, we, what a miracle. 
But anyway, I did those things. I caused a lot of hurt. Jesus, God, left his place in heaven. I mean, I don't know what it's going to be like, but I know it's going to be awesome. He left that to take his place on the cross. I do know what the cross was like. I'm not personally feeling that, but I, we do know what they did with the whippings and nailing and the suffering and the transferring the weight from your feet to your hands so you could take a breath so you don't suffocate while you're hanging for hours and hours and hours. He came and took wrath from God because of my selfishness, because of my inability to do what is right and what is good. Because none of us question that the things we read in the Bible are good. We see that and we know that. And my inability to do it, our inability to do it, is what makes us make something else up. But because of my inability to do it, he did that for me. That's love. That is real love. He came, the Son of God, Jesus, came to destroy the works of the devil. The, the works of the devil. He, Satan's mad. He's angry. He, he likes everything that isn't like God. And he knows that, that sin is different from God and can't exist from God, with God. He knows that. His job isn't necessarily to destroy us. His job is to entice us to sin and separate ourselves from God. Now we are subject to God's wrath because of that. That's his job. But Jesus came. He himself is the sacrifice that atones, that protects us from those sins. Not just for the sins not just for our sins, but the sins of the world. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. So I don't know if you can see the picture. You probably can. So we got people at the bottom. On both sides, they're sinners. We have the umbrella that is Jesus, the Son of God, protecting us from God's wrath. There's still room. And while we're under that umbrella, it's a new deal. We're conflicted. We're here under this umbrella like, well, God, thank you. I, I don't deserve this. I can't, I can't, even, I can't even take a single step because I'm going to fail. It doesn't mean we don't take steps. It doesn't mean we don't try. He removed the power. So now there's no condemnation for our sins. And because we belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed us from the power of sin that leads to death. That power inside of us that, that we are conflicted over, it has no power over us because of what Jesus did. Now, if we love him, we aren't going to want to give in to those desires. We don't want to give in to those things. That is why the Christian life is a conflicted life. If God isn't real, Christians are the ones to be the most um, pitied of everyone. Because if God isn't real, all of that is for nothing. But we have way too much evidence, um, personal evidence, historical evidence, you name it. Um, and, and we know. But anyway, we're fighting. We don't, want, we don't want to sin, but we do. And because of what Jesus has done, we are free to fight, free to serve, free to be transformed. There is growth to be had. There is change to be made. 
And so I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is the way to worship him or to acknowledge him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. There's a lot going on under that umbrella. There's still sin. There's still conflict. And we hate it. It no longer has the power of death over us. Because we belong. Because he, he laid it out. He wants all of us. Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, follow me. Come. Follow me. Give up your way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. We'll look at this one and we'll say, that's so harsh or so much. That's too much. I look at this one and I say, all right, he wants all of me. He says, give it all up and come to me. All of it. Because you might say, you might try to get a job and somebody says, well, I'll fund you part time. You can have a, you can work for me part time. Okay, I guess that's all right. It's better than nothing. But God wants us full time, all time. His promises are full time, all time. His growth, his, his power, transforming power in us is full-time, all-time. Whoa. So give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news. And so we now have this light shining in our hearts. But, but we, us, we're, we're like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our power is from God and not ourselves. So when we're there, we have this, this gift. This, it starts as salvation in our hearts. It starts as, as God saying, that, that ugly heart you have there, I'm going to take care of that. And then now he's, he's growing us and changing us and, and really taking the stuff that we hate the stuff that sucks, he takes it all out. And stuff that stinks, he's taking it all out as we battle, as we go through the conflict. Because he is changing our heart one day at a time as we go through this life conflicted by the sins and temptations that we face. And he will use us. You can you think of a single football coach who doesn't love a player who says, Coach, put me in. I want to play. I want to play. I'll do whatever you say. I'll play lineman. I'll play quarterback. I'll play running back, wide receiver, whatever. You, you name it, I'll do it. And I'll say, like, you're like 100 pounds. And, like, what do you want me to do with that? But then he sees, but, you know, but he sees that heart. And he's like, you know, I could, I could use that heart on my team. And he is going to do what he can to find out a way to incorporate that player. He's going he's gonna to train that player. He's going to say, hit the weights. He's going he's gonna to invest in that player. And it's going to be hard for that player. And if he really wants to do it, he's going to do the things his coach has taken him to do. That player will belong to that team. 
And so when something hard comes and the player's like, you know what, I don't want to do that. There's no way. You can't treat me that way. Whatever it happens to be. He's like, no, we're doing this. Okay, all right. And there's that conflict that he's going to stand through and go through. Because if we, if we belong to God, then he owns us. And, and he will care for us as, as one of his own. We'll, we will be conflicted and we will suffer and we will struggle. God's like, well, yeah, you are, you are surrounded by sin inside of you and outside of you. You've submitted your life to something bigger and better, and Satan hates it. And Satan is here. He won't always be here. Somebody asked that question last night about like, oh, okay, when I go to heaven, is it all gone and all different? Yeah. Yeah. This is temporary. When we go to heaven, it's all gone. It's all great. It's all awesome. Neat. So, so through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Because we are all that skinny, 100-pound, no athleticism whatsoever player. Compared to God, that's us. But he wants to transform us. He wants us to belong to him. And through our suffering, through our struggle, through our fights, we continue to be on his team. We continue to belong to God, share in the death, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. When the life of Jesus starts to take over your life, you will know it. And so will others. Your wife will know it. Your kids will know it. You name it. I mean, people will know it. One of my favorite stories ever, and, and a lot of it's because I have kids um, that are like four, three, two, and one. Um, they're young, and they're all really close together. I love you guys. They're upstairs. Um, one of my favorite stories was this guy who, um, uh, kind of a, a drunk, alcoholic, angry, punching holes through walls. His daughter was scared of him. He went out to disprove the Bible, saying, this is nonsense, I'm getting this stuff out of y'all's minds, to, for his daughter and his wife. And he went out to disprove it, ended up finding out it's real, turned his life over, belonged to Christ. His daughter, after watching his dad for six months, came to them, and she said, I want whatever dad has. Four, five, or six years old, I don't remember. She said, whatever dad's got, I want that. This young, young child says, I want to commit my life to Christ because I see what the life of Jesus does. I see that that's real. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials, they'll show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. I'll take a break to, to show that. Testing, what they're talking about is a is a, is a purification process of putting gold through fire to filter it. You melt the gold away and the impurities, they go, or they float to the top. I don't know exactly how it works. But so it, you're, being, you're being tested or refined, stripping away the stuff that isn't good. It's intended for a beneficial purpose or effect. So, when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Oh, 
while I've got you there, I want to ask you a question. What are some of your conflicts? What are some of your refinements? What are some of the things that you have maybe even accepted? You know, I just went through three weeks of my life with a huge chip on my shoulder. And I won't go into details, but I realized it, was it two nights ago? I don't know, about what I'd just been like just living with and, and acting like. And, uh, and that was, there was a refining deal for me for the last three weeks. What a pleasure and a joy and a treat. But for you, what is one that maybe you're ignoring not willing to play, not going after. Could be at home, could be at work, could be anything. And we can't ignore them. That is a choice we have. We can't ignore that conflict and then and not be conflicted. But if we are, if we belong to God, things are going to change because we are drawing a line in the sand. We're saying, not today, Satan. And we should be thankful for it. You know, of course, I'm going to be stoked when we go to heaven. And it's all good. There's not a battle going on anymore. But for now, I am thankful this battle exists. I am thankful there is a fight to fight. And I am thankful that there is a treasure inside of this clay jar doing, doing it. Because I wasn't always okay. I thought I was. I wasn't. Hanging out under a parachute one day. Backup parachute. I had to get rid of the main. I was a skydiving instructor for several years. And, uh, and I had a guy on my front. I was doing a tandem. I was taking him on a tandem. He was so excited we had a parachute malfunction. And I was really annoyed with him now. I, I did not like him at this time. I was like, are you serious? I got to do it more anyway. Um, but then he, I made a comment like, oh, look at this view. With a view like this, how could you not believe in God? I, I knew about Jesus. Somebody told me about Jesus when I was four or five. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. That, I, I, I knew it. I knew it was true. That was neat. That was a gift. But I, was, I did not belong to God at this point. I was in trouble, and I didn't know it. And he, he said, well, I believe in, he, he said this, I believe in Jesus, and, he, and I cut him off. Said, so, yeah, yeah, I already knew all that stuff. But he kicked something off in my mind. There was some conflict there because I said, because I thought to myself, yeah, I believe that's true, but if that is true, I am taking no part in it. Because I understood when I was told that in fourth grade, fifth grade, whatever. By the way, take your parents to promised land. Take your parents. Kids, take your parents to promised land. Maybe they'll, but no, parents, take your kids. You don't know what they're going to hear and when they're going to hear it. But, or you tell them about this stuff all the time. Any chance you get, because you never know what's going to sink in, when, and how. Anyway, here I was, and I knew the deal, because I'd been told. And I knew that I wasn't living that. I knew I didn't belong to God. I understood the commitment that was required, and I knew I had no part in it. That created some conflict. I am so thankful for that conflict, and chasing that conflict down. And, and fighting that fight and seeing, because I, I wasn't like, all right, it's all done now. I started reading my Bible. I started living my life differently as it says to do it. Because I was like, well, if you really are real, let's see. Um, and if he wasn't real, it would have fizzled out. But he is. And Kelsey and I going through the conflict of changing our lives. Um, man, was it 10 years ago? It was a long time ago. And changing our lives as, as we saw God speaking into us. Being terrified to approach Kelsey with something I'm like, Kelsey, I, I don't think this is right for us to do this anymore. We can't be living like this. Um, you know, that was, was in my mind. I didn't know how to approach her with that. Is she going to make fun of me? Is she going to leave me? What's going to happen? I really like her. I don't want her to leave. Um, and this is the funniest thing ever. She had the same conflict going on. Our conversation was, 
I don't know what it was. I don't even know if there were words used. I think there were one or two, but it was like, this isn't right. I know. And the commitment was understood and made right then and there. And wow, just small example, but that has changed so much in our fighting. It's not fighting anymore. It's, it, it's so different. We are different and we have conflict, but it's different. I'm thankful for this conflict because it, it shows me God, it shows me my shortfalls and it also grows me out of it grows me closer to God. I can see him more. I can understand him more. I, the hugs I get from God are bigger and more real every day. Wow. I'm thankful for the, the, the prep. He's prepared me for each thing he's brought me through. I think I'm going through something hard that I can't handle, and I find out later he was bringing me through just enough of what I could handle with his help, and he was helping me do it, so then I could do something even better and bigger. And, and wow, that was cool. These aren't fancy, flashy things, but these are big things, like teaching your three-year-old about Jesus or loving your three-year-old at 2 a.m. Pray for me. I am being changed every day, every day, and I love it. It's not easy, but it is a battle that's so worth fighting. I'm thankful that God is not done with me, that he has called for all of me, and he's not abandoning any bit of me. This battle continues because I belong to him. He has got his claim on me, and there is nothing that will take that away. I do get tired, I do get frustrated, and I do want to give up sometimes. But this conflict is worth it. And I know that inside of me, it helps to know that my sinful nature is hostile to God. It never did obey God's will, and it never will. I will never get to a point where I'm like, well, whew, I've done the Christian thing for a while, and you know, I'm good now. I've done, I'm naturally, I'm all right. I can do whatever I want. You have preachers and pastors do this. Watch out. They will stop preaching the Bible and start preaching what they want, and they think their nature never will listen to God. Neither will yours. This fight, this battle, it has similarities for all of us. And it's happening inwardly in our hearts. This is where it starts. And it works its way out to our minds, to our actions, to our words. Wow. As our desires clash with God's perfect holy standard, the battle in our hearts and minds rages on as we do what we do. You know, there, there's a nice, oh, it's right there, a nice summary <laughs> Of, of our, the results of our sinful nature. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, fighting, jealousy. I don't have that. I want that. I need that. Outburst of anger. Get away from me! Or whatever. I've never said that to anyone, I don't think. I don't know why that popped out. I probably have. But anyway, outburst of anger, selfish ambition. I gotta go get this for me. I need this. I'll run over anyone I need to to get it. Dissension, fights, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. These things, our sinful nature, have a natural tendency to these things. I don't have to convince you. You, you know it. And the way they present themselves is different for everybody. But the heart and the tendency to do these things exists in all of us through our sinful nature. For, 
for a missionary in Peru and a mom and a dad in the child raising business. It's going to be very different. A missionary doesn't have to be in Peru. He could be anywhere. He could be in America. You know, hiding and running from the bad guys who are often trying to stop any chance that somebody might tell someone about Jesus um, to the point of death. Um, the missionaries reaching out to the lost. You know, there's selfish ambition versus helping others. There is, I'm going to be the best missionary ever and earn this. There's that selfish ambition that the missionary is struggling with versus, I just want to help anyone. I love you more than I love myself. I'll die for, for you if that helps you know Christ. Not so people will remember me, but because I no longer have claim to my life. I belong to God. A mom and dad in the child raising business. Maybe not as scary um, if you haven't done it before. Um, but you, you go to work, you pay the bills, you, you're disciplined, you're teaching, you're, you're hiding from the, the tiny, crazy people. Um, they're a lot of fun, though. And you're doing these things, and, and now where do some of these things come up? In your disciplining, in your, in your willingness to stand up and say, no, here's the truth we're going to stand on. And you're fighting your temper. How can you do that? How dare you? Don't you ever touch your sister like that? You know, you name it. Leave me alone. It's 3 a.m. <laughs> I've never said that either. I really do love it. They come and hang out with me in the middle of the night, and it is just the best. No, it is. It's really cool. It's, you know, we have, no, that's really neat. What, and it really, I say that, and, and you laugh, and I did say it like a joke, but what a joy. What a joy. Some of the opportunities I've had of, um, of praying with Emma in the middle of the night or giving to give Jack a, Jack a hug in the middle of the night. You know, it's, there's no, it's just, hey, hey, buddy. Or with Zoe, getting to hold her hand as I walk her back to bed. Whatever it is, what a joy. But that wouldn't happen if I spent the whole time grumpy they were waking me up. These battles, these struggles, they're real. And when we reject ourselves, when we say, I belong to God, not myself, we are acknowledging and worshiping God and what we are doing. And that, you will find, is, is a joy and a treat. So for some, we're really not conflicted. We don't see the big deal here, and we don't really have time or the energy to be concerned with God's standard. We say, thanks, Jesus, for dying on the cross. I appreciate the help, but I'll take it from here. The problem friends, is, is we can't take it from here. We can't measure up. And we're left making our own peace, and we are slaves to our success or our lack of success. We are defined by how well we're doing or, or maybe just how well other people think we're doing. But for the Christian who belongs to Jesus, whether you realize it or not, you are free from the power of sin because you belong to Jesus Christ. If this is where you are, you are tempted and conflicted as you battle the sin inside of you and let God transform you into a new person because you desire to be obedient to God out of love for God. So you are free not to be dominated by your mistakes. Free to get up, go, and pursue God out of love, wherever you are. I find those two roles get flipped. The people who think they're okay say, thank you, Jesus. They think they're all right. The people who, who care that they sin and are different from God, they, they, might, they might be forgetting 
that they are no longer controlled. That sin no longer has that power of destruction over them. If you're either of those people, come talk to us. It would be fun and a pleasure. Just what a treat. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word from you. Thank you for the for your words, your your direction, your power. Thank you for your love. It, we struggle to understand it. We struggle to put it into practice, but we sure can see it when you come down and do what you do. Thank you for your willingness and your ability in our hearts and in our minds and and give us the courage to go forward and fight and, and wake us up if we're not. Thank you so, so, so much. Amen. Guys, thank you all so much. What a pleasure. Bye, guys.